Welcome to the podcast for the First United Methodist Church, located in Round Rock, Texas. We very much so hope that you're enjoying this podcast, and we invite for you to join us online at fumc-rr.org for all of our church information. We also hope you join us on social media at fumcrr on all social media platforms. If you'd like to give to this podcast and other ministries, please text 44321 and follow the instructions. Again, we hope you have a very blessed week. And better yet, we hope to see you soon at the First United Methodist Church of Round Rock, Texas. So the great writer and philosopher Taylor Swift said, you need to calm down, you're being too loud. I think she was onto something. We live in a world where there's a lot of anger and anxiety, and there's a lot of noise in this world, not just with the sound, but with things that distract us and take us away from really what's important in life. I'm old enough to remember something called being bored. Like when I would go on summer vacation, sitting in the back of the station wagon, after I was done with my game or my book, all there was to do was stare out into nothingness, maybe play the game I spy, and ask the question, are we there yet? Or going to the grocery store and standing in a line without a cell phone to check text messages or emails and just stand there. And it was kind of boring, nothing else to do, just be there in a line. Microsoft did a study and found out 77% of people who said that if they don't have anything to do, the first thing they grab is their cell phone. That we fill our quiet times in our lives with scrolling into affinity, trying to see what the coolest thing is, or checking up on our fantasy football um, scores and things like that instead of just being there in quietness. Richard Foster said, our adversary, the devil, majors in three things, noise, hurry, and crowds. If he can keep us engaged in muchness and manyness, he will rest satisfied. Our our world is filled with noise and distraction. And we don't fight against that, but we fight against stillness and being quiet. One day I was um, at lunch with Brad, and he said, let's play a game. Let's guess what type of conversations people are having. And it was Brad, so he went in some directions. But we saw this couple sitting there, and they were definitely on a first date. There was these awkward moments where they kept clinging each other's glasses together. I don't know what conversations they were having. It's like, glad to meet you. You actually look like your picture's online. But we also noticed that there was no pause in their conversation. There was no stopping. There was the anxiety of of that first day, the anxiety of just having that awkward silence. They continue to have a conversation with each other. But I don't think they're they're only ones who struggle against silence. NASA NASA astronauts, before they go into um, outer space, they're sent to Minnesota to the Antioch Chamber. It's known as the quietest place on Earth. It registers a negative nine decibels. A quiet room is about 30 decibels. They have to practice 
being in silence before they go into the quiet of outer space. And I was, as I was researching this, I went down this rabbit trail. And a lot of these articles had this note that said, people can only last 45 minutes in this chamber. I talked about it in our worship planning. And Justin, who works in AV, says, that's not true. I read something that said it was false. So I emailed the organization and they said, yeah, somehow that got out. Even the Smithsonian Magazine reported that people could only last 45 minutes or they would go crazy. I find that really interesting, that even these high-level scientific magazines think that no one can be quiet, sit in silence, and hear their own heartbeat for more than 45 minutes. Silence can seem awkward, and we want to push and fight against it. But silence is something that we desperately need. Our souls long for it. We find examples all throughout Scripture. In Psalms, it says, Be still and know that I am God. For God alone, my soul waits in silence. In today's Scripture, Elijah meets God in the silence. But before that, Elijah had one of those fantastic moments in the Old Testament. He goes against the Canaanite god Baal. They have this moment on a mountaintop where each set up an altar with a bull, and the first to barbecue their bull wins. So Elijah's, the Baal prophets go, they scream, they yell, they cut themselves, and nothing. Their God doesn't show up. There's even a line that says, is your God on the toilet? Is he busy? What's going on? Elijah's mocking them. Then Elijah wants to show off, digs a trench around his altar, fills it with water. And he calls out to God and fire rains down and licks everything up with fire. Baal's prophets are broken. They thought they were going to win. We actually have a picture of their disappointment. Jezebel was the king of the Canaanite, was the queen of the Canaanites. Oh, you can keep that up there. That's awesome. Okay, I thought you were going to take it down. <laughs> this is great. It just made me happy. It, the funny thing is this uh, last weekend, I went to uh, Tripp's restaurant, and he was having an OU watch party. Tripp is a big UT fan, and the uh, jabs against each other was, was fantastic. So God... Wind angered Jezebel. She was the queen of the Canaanites. You can take that off. Uh, and she swore she'd get revenge against Elijah. I am going to end your life. And so he gets this anxiety, this distress, this hearing these noises in his world that causes him to go into a deep depression. So under a broom tree, God sends an angel to bring food and give him rest. Sometimes when life is going awry, we just need that quiet time with a little food and a little nap. Elijah gathers up enough energy and starts going up this mountain, Mount Horeb or Mount Sinai. It took him 40 days. I mean, if you typically took this hike, it should only take you a couple of hours, but the pressure of the noise of the world weighed him down and made his journey a lot more slower. Once he gets to the top, Elijah goes into this cave, and he hears God say, what are you doing here? What are you looking for? 
Elijah has this quick response to God, almost like he already planted as he was making up his long journey up the mountain. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, put your prophets to death, and with the sword, and I am the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me. And it's interesting. God doesn't answer his question or doesn't really respond to his question the way that maybe Elijah expected. God says, hey, get out of this cave, get out of this dark spot of your life, come outside into the light, and I'm going to pass in front of you. And the scripture we just heard says, now there was this great wind so strong that it was splitting the mountains and breaking the rocks into pieces before the Lord. But the Lord wasn't in the wind. After the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. After the fire, a sound of sheer silence. Notice here that Elijah is not making remarks during this time, or at least the scripture doesn't record it it here. He's just sitting there listening to God. I know a lot of my prayer times is spent with a laundry list of everything going on in my life. And if I have time, maybe I'll be quiet for a few seconds. A pastor friend told me once that the more we talk, the more we sin. Sometimes we need to just sit there and be silent and hear from God. So this experience of earth, wind, and fire, and not the 70s band, but the way that God has shown up. He's shown up in these powerful ways throughout Scripture. He parts the Red Seas. People walk through fire. That's the typical way we want God to show up. But here... It's in a whisper, in the sheer silence. And there's something intimate when someone whispers to you. I mean, if you were out in a crowd and someone someone came up behind you and started whispering, hi, how are you? You would think it's really weird and awkward. Why did you do that? But if someone you knows comes up to you and whispers to you, it's meaningful. When my nephews were younger, I used to tell him, come over here. I have a secret to tell you. And I'd whisper, you're awesome. I love you. And they would tell me to come down, and they would do the same thing back to me. But one time we were wrestling, and I said, Bennett, he was my young, the youngest nephew, and he was maybe three at the time. I said, come over here. I have something to tell you. And I whispered, you're awesome. And he beckons me down and puts his little hand over my ear, and he had a little lisp at that time, and he says, you are the worst. (laughs) So I picked him up and threw him on the couch. Not, Not the sweet whisper that I was expecting. See, we often want God to show up in the earth, wind, and fire in these big, magnificent ways. I mean, God was in that, that big rainstorm we needed. Oh, God is in that war. God is in, in somewhere dealing with this pandemic. We want these big red, white, and blue signs saying, this is God in these big moments. But more than often than not in our own lives, God shows up in really subtle ways, in the intimate, personal ways, like a whisper. God working inside of us. 
So if God had only tried to push us somewhere, it would be show that we don't have a God of free will, but God works with inside of us if we could take the time to listen, to hear him speaking to us. I mean, how many of you have gone boating before, maybe in a, in a rowboat or, or one that wasn't powered by a motor? When you're getting close to the dock, sometimes you have this rope in the boat that you have to throw on the dock and pull yourself in. And at some level, it can look like you're trying to pull yourself to the shore. You're trying to pull the shore to you, but you're pulling yourself to the shore. Silence is a lot like this. Silence does not pull God toward us. It pulls us to God. God's already there waiting for us. Silence helps us listen to God, to align our will with God's so that we can do great things through him and for him. There's this great story about Dr. Martin Luther King. In 1956, just a month after he was elected to the Montgomery Improvement Plan, they were boycotting, trying to go against what happened to Rosa Parks, but nothing was happening. And like a lot of us, he thought this is only going to take a couple of days, but it lasted weeks. The city wasn't moving on their agenda. And the day before, Dr. King was arrested for driving 30 miles an hour in a 25-mile-hour zone. He got home to more death threats against himself and his family. He was really anxious. He was stressed out. He didn't know what he was going to do. He woke up in the middle of the night and poured himself a cup of coffee. Years later, he spoke about that night in a sermon, and he said, I bowed down over that cup of coffee. I said, Lord, I'm down here trying to do what's right. I must confess that I'm weak and I'm losing courage. It seemed at that moment he could hear an inner voice saying, stand up for righteousness, stand up for the truth, and God will be by your side forever says, continues to say that almost all his fear went away. His uncertainty disappeared, and he was ready to face anything. He had this powerful Elijah moment in the silence on that kitchen table. But what if he had a cell phone? Instead of sitting in that silence, he, he scrolled and doom scrolled, checking out what was going on in the world, seeing more hate mails and text messages toward him, or decided to, to numb his pain by watching the newest show on Hulu. Would he have been able to hear from God? Would he have become the, the man we know about today? The purpose of silence isn't some isolation or legalistic part of life. It's about being in the presence of God and just sitting there, just abiding with God, being able to take a deep breath in and out. We're such a hurried and rushed people. We want to accomplish things on the outside, make ourselves self look good. Look at all of my accomplishments. Look at all these praise I'm getting from everybody in the world. And God just wants us to sit with him in silence to help change us, to remind us of who we are and who God is in our lives. We desperately need silence in our lives. For Martin Luther King, it gave him clarity. 
He was reminded of who he was and his calling in his life. Think of it like a snow globe. Picture this, our beautiful church and campus, and you shake up the snow globe and you see all the snow swirling around. I know we all would like a little slow today, snow today, but once it settles down, you can kind of truly focus on what's really important. Do we give ourselves enough time to settle down all, everything swirling around in our life to process it? I talked to Brian about silence and solitude. Um, he is a good practitioner of it. I am not. He talked about intentionality. Before, he felt that like he was making some choices based on his habits. He said, the way I've always done things. But silence and solitude has helped him pause and think about why he does what he does. He's one of the most even-killed people I know. He, can, he feels now, because this is a regular practice in his life, he can be more intentional and strategic throughout his day. In past, he may have been more reactionary to whatever happened, but now he feels more centered in dealing with whatever the day brings. I have another mentor and friend who is nonstop. She's a single mom with two kids. She's a pastor. She's actually my district superintendent and friend in the Northwest Texas Conference. One day she went to her massage therapist. This was years ago. I think she had an elementary school student and a middle school student at the time. And instead of starting with a massage, she says, you need to sit right here in this chair. Close your eyes, take a deep breath, and sit in silence and listen to God. It almost made her weep to have that moment of just stopping and sitting in silence and solitude. So as a community, I want to challenge us to maybe incorporate some of that in our lives, and we're going to practice it in just a moment. For some of us, this may be really weird and awkward. Like, why are we doing this? Others may welcome it with open hands. And this practice we're going to do here may not work for you. You may be really extroverted and have a lot of energy, so you may need to walk. But maybe take a walk without your earbuds in or your commute to work. Turn off the radio. Sit in silence for a moment. So in just a little bit, we're going to practice silence and solitude for a moment. So take everything out of your hands. Get in a comfortable position. And your mind may wander a little bit with the things that you have to do today with, is this service almost over? With all the other things going on in your life. That's okay. You can bring yourselves back to thinking about maybe some scripture like, be still and know that I am God. And continue breathing. So unclench your jaw. Relax your shoulders. Take a deep breath in and out and sit in silence. Thanks for tuning in to this week's sermon series podcast from First United Methodist Church of Round Rock, Texas. For more information, you can find us online 
at fumc-rr.org or find us on social media at fumcrr.org.